Welcome to Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just mm, report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And this time, I didn't even show up. Nope. You showed up along with... My best friend, Claire. Claire. Best friend. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, Claire. Thank you. I'm delighted to be on the show. Should we use your last name? If you want. I don't have a... An opinion. <laughs> Her last name's Knowlton. Claire Knowlton has come to join us. I don't know. Did the... you want to do that again? <laughs> no. Okay. That's good. Our longtime friend, very longtime friend in your case. Yes, Claire has been my friend now for half of my life because we became friends when we were 17 and I'm 34. You just turned 35. Half your life? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I'm approaching that with my marriage. Very soon I will have oh, been wow. married longer than I will have not been married. Whoa. Uh, sometime next year, I think. That's but, crazy. Well, c- well congratulations. Thank on your- you so much. And, and we've known each other for even longer than that. Yeah. We met, we we met were, in like, middle school, 12. but like- I, But you were enemies back then. But we hated each other. No, we were just, <laughs> no, we were just acquaintances. Yeah. But we became best friends in high school. At the Senior end of high year school. of high school. Yeah. Fantastic. And Claire actually has been listening to the show since its inception. It, we recorded it part of the first episode. Yes, the first episode. With yep. a really bad sound. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that was the fault of your house. There was some really bad sound recorded in a car at one point. Also at CFI. That whole episode, we had to do a bunch of re-recording on it. We didn't know what Look, we were doing starting yet. starting a podcast is difficult. <laughs> Continuing a podcast is difficult. It's true. But it's the quality true. improvement since then has been <laughs> amazing, you guys. <laughs> thank Simply you. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so was it exciting to you to finally go on one of these investigations? Oh, yeah. I was really glad to do it. So the session that we went to was on my birthday. And so I got this email from her that was like, hey, um, (laughs) so I know it's your birthday. If you have something planned, I won't go to this. But if you don't, do you want to go to this? And I was like, yes, of course I want to go to this. I could not think of anything better to do for my birthday. Than to be sad and upset about... Ex-gay ministries. Oh, I'm so sad. excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited to be sad. Yes. Because Ross, you were gonna be out of town. Right. Were you in Iceland? I think you were in Iceland. That sounds right. Ross went to Iceland. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> Literally. But we really wanted to do this and we were so bummed out, like, oh shoot, Ross can't go. And then I was like, Well, you know, maybe Claire will go and then maybe Ross, you'll be able to do something else later. Yeah. And uh we'll check it out. I'm just gonna try to work my way up to being gay so someone can talk me out of it. <laughs> right. Later on. So we went to an event called Be My Child. <laughs> put on by Living Stones Ministry. I laugh only because that doesn't even tell you what it is. Yeah, I was going to say this feels like some kind of euphemism. Be my child. Right. It is. Sort of their whole theme is if you accept that you are God's child, then you'll give over your temptations to him and then you will no longer be gay or bi or trans. Okay. And it turns out there's a lot of transphobia in this, which I don't know why, but I didn't expect. I didn't expect that either. And going in, I thought the audience for for this conference would be people approximately our age or younger, mm-hmm. people who are gay. Right. And that the goal of this, I'll use their language, deliver them from same-sex attraction. Deliver. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. But, deliverance, which we've heard associated with exorcism, mm-hmm. even deliverance from evil spirits. Right. Freedom. Yeah. But in attending and looking around the room, there were about 
100, 120 people there. I would say the average age was 60. 60? Yeah. Oh. And it was mostly parents and grandparents. Uh, trying to figure out right. how to they deliver their children. Children or grandchildren mm-hmm. who are gay or transgender. Yeah. So cool. at one point, I'm skipping ahead, of course, but at one point a speaker asked, who here is the parent of a struggler? About 40 people raised their hand and then he followed up who's the parent of a prodigal child and another 40 or so raise their hands. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I wrote 20 people raise their hands for parents of a struggler. Oh, okay. So just average those two numbers and you have the exact number. 30. (laughs) Wisdom of crowds. So where was this located? Where did you go for it? Fullerton. Which is like, how long did that take us to get there? It took us a little less than two hours, maybe an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes. And it was scheduled to start at... 8 a.m. Yeah. And so I emailed the organizers in advance and was like, hello, I live. Yeah. You know, it was on a Saturday and I was like, oh my God, who wants to get up at five in the morning to leave at six to be there by eight? So I asked whether the program starts at 8 a.m. or if there's a meet and greet at the beginning. Right. And a little breakfast, continental breakfast. We can skip on that. Yes. And so I got an email back from Denise Schick, who we will meet later. She is the leader of Livingstone's ministries. I don't know if they use the word pastor or what kind of honorific is attached to that, but she seems seems to be the leader of this particular church and um, got an email back saying that, no, there's coffee and registration. And then we start at 845. Wow. So that let us leave a little later. We left a little after seven, mm-hmm. had a bit of trouble tracking down the actual church Uh-oh. or the, the location. Right, because the address that we got was was in, the church was a church which was pretty empty and it but, was a large campus a full block so, campus so here's the church buildings. here's the steeple <laughs> open it up and where's all the people <laughs> right so we drove around that campus and then finally there was a guy standing there kind of redirecting people who had ended up here you know i hate that when you're directed to a place and then there's just a complex of buildings and you have no idea which one you're supposed yeah. to be at Well, it wasn't even that. I mean, yeah, that's frustrating. It turned out that we were supposed to be like catty corner across the street. Across the street. At a different address. So the church seems to own this large campus. And so we, you know, we literally driving around the campus trying to figure out where to go. And then we came across this man sitting at his car who had purple and silver balloons. He Mm -hmm. said, oh, are you looking for the Be My Child conference? Yes, we are. Okay, it's, you know, across the street, catty corner. And so this church seems to own or rent the majority of this strip mall as classrooms for look like high school programs and other sorts of things. Mm. And Singles so we spotted, programs, right. All yeah, those little yeah. ancillary things. We spotted things. some more purple and silver balloons. It was kind of their little So this is probably some mega on church, one of these really big places. It was a big campus. I don't know if it would qualify as a mega church or not, but yeah, it was Certainly large. What's it called? A large church. Did you say? Living Stones Ministries. Living Stones. Okay. And we don't know what that means. Living Stones. <laughs> yeah, no. I was saying like maybe it's the stone tablet. Or yeah. the, the rocks that cry out or would cry out if they or, had to about Jesus. Yeah. Or when, oh, okay, maybe. As maybe. he rode into Jerusalem. No, that's a stretch too. Living Stones. We're molded out of, but we're molded out of clay, not stones. The, the stones Bible, on so. these people. Yeah, I don't know. But when we got into the right parking lot, I saw this small group of of middle-aged women and I was like oh of course of course what was I thinking why did I think there would be like young gay men and women here there's gonna be a bunch of middle-aged 
parents who are anti-gay at this. Mm -hmm. But then as we pulled up to this small gaggle of women, one of them said, what's happening here today? And I was like, oh, uh, it's a church event. And I was so glad Carrie answered because I had no idea what I would say to that question. (laughs) But turned out they were not going to that. But we were right that it would be middle-aged and older Mm-hmm. Mostly women, some men. I'm, I'm just picturing all these women seeing the two of you walk in, young, attractive ladies, and thinking, oh, I bet they're gay for each other. <laughs> we're going to help them. I don't know. Did, yeah. did you get that sense at all? We were greeted very warmly at the door, I thought. Mm-hmm. It was a welcome. Okay. We had name tags. Yep, Carrie, quickly, name tag. Carrie quickly went over to the uh, table of books and DVDs, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. I went to find a seat and actually found this table with just one person there. A lot of the tables kind of looked filled up. There were about 18 tables of eight people each, 24 tables of eight people each. Okay. So I found this table near the front and sat down, and it turned out it was the main speaker of the day who I sat down next to and started having a conversation with. Oh, how funny. I love it when that happens. I'm looking at Carrie's name tag here. It's mostly white. It says, Be My Child Conference 2018 Livingstones Ministries, Carrie Poppy. And there's a little photo with a silhouette a low horizon there's looks like a man standing and like a child jumping up to be in his arms against the setting Uh, sun because that child is being his child See, I thought that was another double meaning. You know, after we showed up at this conference and actually saw like, oh, it's all parents and grandparents. Mm. I thought that be my child thing was really about, oh, like follow my parenting. Yes. Be my child the way I envision you to be. And this this theme around specifically father as giver of identity, of Mm -hmm. bestower of identity Uh. and the importance of the parents determining the identity for their child mm-hmm. was kind of like a recurring yeah, theme. Yeah, that's true. Oh, wow. I know. I think that's that, a really dark interpretation, but that's probably yeah. entirely accurate. Be my child. Yeah. Be my child. Uh, or even if it's unintentional, it's, <laughs> it's probably in, in the back of their mind somewhere. Dennis Jernigan is the guy Claire was mentioning she was sitting next to. I'm handing you his oh. card. He is a song receiver, Ross. Oh, he's, he, he's not a songwriter. Song, re- song receiver that's plus... That's how he introduced himself. Worship leader plus author and there he is at a microphone looking very much like the microphones we're sitting in front of. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So a lot of people here are talking hundreds. Uh, Uh, Like a hundred, maybe 120. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they'd all found their way there. Yeah. I've been looking for a long time for ex-gay events. Like Mm -hmm. this is something we've wanted to cover since the beginning of the show. And I thought we would have to go out of state for it because who in California is throwing ex-gay conferences? Yeah. It's just, we're a pretty pro-gay state. But we found one. Well, I was raised in a pocket of evangelism within California, within like Santa Cruz, which is one of the like three most liberal cities in Mm -hmm. California. So it doesn't surprise me too much. Mm -hmm. There definitely are a lot of good old boys and gals in California. Um, But Denise did say this was the first time that they'd offered this conference. When she was planning it, they didn't know what would happen. They didn't know if anyone would turn up and... Look what happens when you Look plant God seed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So when I was at the tables in the back, Claire mentioned where the books and DVDs were, I met Dennis Jernigan's wife because she was selling his books and DVDs and CDs. And Dennis Jernigan considers himself ex-gay, although he doesn't use that term. He, he calls himself delivered. So as she was saying to people, oh, I'm his wife, you could see them sort of register like, oh, 
oh, he's got a, right, of course, he has a wife. Yes, okay, oh. he's not gay anymore. Yes. You know, <laughs> what this, a nice beard. Yeah, it was this very awkward, strange interaction. But she sold me his DVD called Sing Over Me that is a documentary about his deliverance, yeah. which I watched and I'll tell you about okay. later. And then I also got this book, Out of Egypt, One Woman's Journey Out of Lesbianism. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I went and sat down, and a guy stood up to intro everybody. One of the first things he said was, we prayed for you before you even arrived, which I thought was a really nice, sweet. That's nice. Yeah. So Carrie went to the table with all the books and DVDs, of course, and I started scanning the room and looking for a place to sit. I found a table up at the front, stage right, and there was just one guy sitting there, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll sit down and introduce myself. Hi, I'm Claire. And he said, oh, I'm Dennis. And I noticed that he had a whole bunch of papers kind of spread out in front of him. And I recognized the name Dennis. He was kind of the headliner for ah, the whole oh, conference. Wow, okay. And so I said, oh, you are one of the speakers today. And he said, yes, I am. He's very, very soft spoken. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt if you are preparing. You know, I do a lot of public speaking for work. Sometimes you want a moment to collect yourself, right? Absolutely. He said, nope, if I'm not ready now, I will never be after telling this story so, you know, so many times. (laughs) That second part is accurate. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he was, in fact, not prepared. He was not prepared. Oh. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Okay, funny. But I sat down at the table and just started asking him, you know, kind of get to know you questions. I thought I was getting this great insider information. Most of that information he shared when he introduced himself to speak to the whole room. Oh. Uh, right. But, you know, I asked about how often he travels for work. He said not very often maybe two times a year. He really doesn't like to, but he always brings his wife with him because mm. that's a, a wisdom way to do. Um, okay. Does that mean he's not exposing himself to temptations? I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what it meant, yes. Mm-hmm. I um, meet this hot guy. I can think about him later when I'm mm-hmm. with my wife. Or woman, I don't know. But yes, just that it's really important for the relationship that they travel together. Okay. I asked about his children and what they do, and he started telling me, you know, oh, this child does that 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 and i said oh (laughs) sorry was that six and he said i have nine (gasps) yeah nine (laughs) kids wow nine kids and that's always a trigger in my head i think okay are they mormon Uh are they catholic or are they very evangelical christian right well the third his wife melinda will speak later in the day and one of her lines was i can't give myself to god except my womb so yep yeah you can't withhold your womb when you're giving over yourself and it was you know her idea she was on board with the nine children yeah so i did ask about the religious beliefs of his children if they are part of the same church as he is Hmm. Uh, we would later learn that his church is really in his living room he has made his own church with his family but it sounds like his children he said they are all followers of christ but that they have kind of connected that identity in different ways so it sounds like some are members of more established churches it sounded like some actually give religious service you know are like kind of people of the cloth But he sends them a daily devotional as a family every day. And it's something his children just love and his grandchildren just love. Like my my dad's emails, you know, I'm translating into my head, you know, just like this rambling thing you get from your dad. And you're like, dad, I loved it. It's really good. (laughs) 
Yep. So he sends yeah. those every morning and everyone loves them and they really keep the family connected. Um, <laughs> I asked sweet. I asked when he travels how often he is brought out for his music and how often he's brought oh, out yeah. for his story. And he said it's almost always his music, which we will hear his music. Yeah. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> Did he, he receive good music or? Uh... Well, so he has written a lot of the songs that are very like. Received lots of the songs. But... <laughs> You're right, right. He's received a lot of the songs <laughs> that are now sung in like youth church service where they're very sing-alongable, mm-hmm. a lot of repetition. So We bow down yeah. and we worship Shib you, Lord. Yeah, totally. So they're super useful songs for churches. I don't know if they're that memorable of songs per se. None of them were ones that we've heard before. Like, oh, he's the guy who wrote I know. This. I, I thought for sure that would happen. You but wrote, as were, the deer panted for the water. Yeah, not that one. Here, I'll <laughs> hand you a Dennis Jernigan song list and you can Ross over it. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah, I wasn't raised in an evangelical church, but I've listened to a lot of church music. And when Carrie and I went to college up in the Central Valley in California, we would make a lot of trips between the Central Valley and LA, which is like a five-hour drive. And we would just listen to Christian yeah. music stations the whole way. You so. put up with your friend Carrie's Christian music. Oh, I love I still do it. Oh, I mean, whenever great. I'm on a road trip. It's good music. It's good <laughs> music. It's very uplifting. He led a lot of songs. At the, okay. At the beginning, I thought, I'm going to recognize next one, I'm sure. I'm going to recognize it any minute now. I didn't recognize them at all. You have a very interesting background that has a lot of maybe new age influences, would you say? Yeah. So I was raised in a Vedantist temple. Mm. And so the scriptures for that faith tradition are the Vedas, which are really ancient texts out of India India. that predate the Bhagavad Gita. But it's very much this concept that all religions are different paths that you can choose to the same God. So God is one, comes in many forms. Pick your path, follow it, you will find God at the end. So there's no need to convert anyone. Right. Um, you can enjoy your friend's Christian music. That's right. You can enjoy their Christian music. There seems to be some relevant tracks here. Child Come Forth. We've got Daddy's Song. Devastated by Your Love. Interesting. Mm. Don't Lose Heart. There's a lot of songs here. He's received a lot of songs from Jesus Christ. Great is the Lord Almighty. He will reign forever and ever. I mean, holy is your name. Of these sound... Yeah, it's hard to know too. Cookie cutter Christian songs. There are probably 45 songs called Holy is Your Name. Exactly. I've sung many (laughs) songs with all of these titles. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So he says that he's mostly invited for his songs. And maybe that's true. I don't know. But not the world's best singer. Okay. Mm -hmm. A better song receiver than song giver. (laughs) It is better to give than receive. Yes. Right. And let me clarify. He did say the music is the entry point. That's why people invite him. But then they want to hear his story. Oh, uh, I, oh! He had a double answer to that one. Yes. It's it's both. It's both. But then once I'm invited for my music, then they want to hear my story, mm. which I kind of thought like, is that just a polite way that people invite you? Right, right. You know, mm. we love your music, this piece <laughs> of your life that we can all agree is positive and wonderful. Right. But we want to hear this scary story of you know whatever i asked him about the farthest flung places he's gone to give his talks and he said he's been to germany korea turkey and brazil as well as many places around the u.s those are flung pretty far yeah nice so he was introduced by this man who would kind of be the mc of the day who 
is not a public figure, so let's call him Richard. Sounds good. So Richard got up. He said, I prayed for you all before you even got here. And then he began to introduce Dennis. And he said that Dennis had over nine children. <laughs> over nine. <laughs> I turned to Claire and mouthed over nine. And I didn't know that Dennis was sitting next to us. You texted so. me about, about that later. <laughs> so he probably saw me mouth to her over nine. So when he got up, he was like, it's not over nine. It's exactly, exactly nine. nine. <laughs> oh, good for him. Okay. Yeah. Nine children, so- 10 grandchildren. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so he started playing the music he has received, and we sang along to that. It was a bit atonal. Yeah, I would say that his piano skills are, are really good. Really nice. Oh, yeah, okay. He's a really, really good, good pianist. He's, he's a nice pianist. Seemed to definitely be struggling with some of the singing. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, but we were all he's to no sing Keith along. Green. He's no Keith Green, though he would talk about Keith Green a lot. Did he really? His talk, yes. I, w- I was just watching a YouTube documentary about Keith Green last night, so he's fresh he in my He kind of talked about him like... He had a big influence on me as a child. Oh, That's okay. funny. He talked about him like he was his contemporary. Oh, and I, okay. He is not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he sang a lot of songs. We sang from 9 to 9.15, I wrote down. Never heard that song. <laughs> we sing from nine to nine fifteen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, we sang for fifteen minutes, and then he began his story. He would say a sentence of his story, and then just like play a chord on the piano, and then go back to his story. He kind of yes, he kind of kept playing the piano with sort of this mood music yeah. as he was telling his story, and I was just reminded how much of church is theater, mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. much of it. The lights, the music, the tone of voice, kind of the way that you do storytelling, right, right. that was really present in this conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely like a controlled, emotionally manipulated kind of experience. Yep, yeah. yep. Moving everyone in the room along that sort of crescendo mm-hmm. and then to the day crescendo. And now mm-hmm. we're going to use this tone of voice right. to describe <laughs> the next thing. Yeah. His story was... Really disjointed. He started by saying, on November 7th, 1981, the Lord delivered me from same-sex attraction. Yes. Whoa. And then he told us that in July 1988, he came out to his wife about his past. I wrote 1989. Oh, okay. One of those years. (laughs) So then he kind of backtracks that he's from Oklahoma City And then he says, I also told my dad about my same-sex attraction just several years ago. And he took my hand and he said, is that all? And Dennis was like so teary at this statement. So it still very, really resonates for him emotionally. That is really sweet. But he kept kind of jumping back and forth between like present day his same-sex attraction, and then when he told people about his sex, same-sex attraction in the 80s, and so it's just sort of like hard to follow the... Oh, we're jumping through time here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This reminds me, when I came out to my dad as a non-believer, he pulled me aside afterward and he said, well, at least you still eat meat and like women. Oh my oh, God. dang. And now I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> so... 
Did Watch you not out, say Dad. anything about your vegetarian? Oh, he's not happy about it. <laughs> oh my God, you only have one thing to go. I know. Oh man. So this is when he asked us if there were parents of strugglers in the audience. And of course there were. So struggler is their euphemism for a gay person. Someone who has same-sex attraction, so it could be gay or bi. Though bisexual people were never mentioned the whole day. They don't exist. This, huh. this entire conference was an exercise in binaries. There are binary gender roles. There are binary... Binary sexes, even like gay straight is binary. There is no room for fluidity. There is no room for a spectrum. There is no room for a constellation of human experiences. Mm -hmm. You are A or B. Right. And that was present throughout. And I wrote down somewhere like this binary stuff. This is the root of all of the problems. There's no gingerbread person here. Yeah. There's nary a bi. There's plenty of binary. Yes. Oh, a bisexual. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Yeah, I think the feeling is like, well, if you were bisexual and Christian, you'd have no problem. You'd just ignore the attraction right. of your own sex because, and get married. Yeah, when you marry one person anyway, then you're closed off to the rest of the world. Right. So what's the difference so if no you're problem. closing yourself off to men and women? Right. But they're just, that's not even a concept. They're not going to allow that there's a spectrum. Yeah, it wasn't even No, mentioned. No Kinsey scales here. He connected his same-sex attraction to two particular life experiences. One was a trauma when he was five years old Mm -hmm. where a man in a public restroom had exposed himself and asked him to touch him. So an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. And then his interpretation of that, being a young kid, was oh, there must be something wrong with me that this guy saw something in me and said, oh, I can expose myself to this little boy. It sucks that our brains do that. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was the enemy planting the seed. Right. And then we do the work of the enemy. So the enemy just plants the seed. That's what that was. And then we do the work for mm. him. And Dennis had only heard as a kid in church that gay people couldn't go to heaven. There was talk even of God hating gay people. You know, as soon as he had this thought, he was like, I can't tell anybody. That's legit. I heard that stuff growing up. Oh, there you go. And so he said, now, instead, I want to offer hope to the struggler. He also said he receives an overwhelming amount of mail from parents of strugglers. And he's like, and the next song I am going to sing, I was given in order to to give a message to the parents of strugglers. And then it was just some song about childhood. Okay. Yeah. That didn't feel specifically on the no, nose about this not, message? Not really. Not that I recall. Okay. The other thing that he connected his same-sex attraction to was that his dad never told him that he loved him until mm. long after he was married. So having this emotionally unavailable father, he thought of as like the cause for his being gay oh yeah that that you need a healthy manly relationship with your father to this would come up a lot throughout as well yeah yeah i've I've, yeah definitely heard that blaming the victim's parents and sometimes the fault would fall on the father sometimes it would be the overbearing mother who's just Mm -hmm. too affectionate and coddles the child too much and turns them into feeling almost like a girl probably either extreme like if the mom is too manly or if the mom is you know manly quote unquote or uh too soft and Mm-hmm. It just oh, seems right. to be yeah, that's well. like point. the fault of the parents. Right. Somehow. Well, speaking of parenting, one of the books Dennis wrote is 
a children's book about the time that his dad did express his love without actually saying I love you. So Dennis wanted a basketball court in their backyard and he asked his dad for it and he said, well, I can't afford a whole basketball court, but I can afford a seed of a basketball court. And he called it a basketball goal. So it was the the hoop. Oh, right. Ah, okay. So he had to go in the back and plant like did he actually plant a seed? Or he planted he... a seed. Okay, oh, and he had to seed. grow water a tree it. and then mount had this to... to the tree. No, no, <laughs> so it's really cute. It's cute. Yeah, so he went and planted the seed, and then a few days later, yeah, he had to water it every day, even though it was like icy and cold. Yeah, a week later, a week. Okay, there was a three-foot section of pole that had sprouted in a concrete footing. Oh, and then he had to keep watering, keep that. watering it every day, Aww. every day, and this is slowly. Adorable. Yeah, and so. every couple weeks, another three-foot section of pole would, would show up just overnight. And they always, it always grew that's, in three-foot sections. That is right. love. That's Super oh, sweet. totally. And then finally, you know, the top of the basketball court appeared. So he says, you know, looking back, I realized, of course, my dad loved me. He just didn't use his words to say it. And so he wrote this book called something like The, the Growing Basketball yeah, Goal. Yeah, The mirac- Miraculous Growing Basketball Goal. And you can find that. Oh, that's too. lovely. You know, in this first couple of hours with Dennis, I felt like he was the best version of the person I could imagine who is anti-gay for religious reasons. Mm. And so he told stories of being wounded in the church, mm-hmm. of hearing people say horrible things about gay people, knowing that they are talking about him and what that meant, having to hide, having to pretend, having to perform, and really like warning people against doing that. Right. I thought his session was the case for arts education. You know, he was struggling so much with what he calls same-sex attraction and the identity that he's kind of supposed to have in the church or the sexual attraction he is supposed to have in the church and how playing the piano rescued him from that. He literally talked about coming home after school, sitting down at the piano and everyone being so impressed with how he would just keep practicing and just keep writing songs. And what they didn't know is that he was trying to keep himself from going insane. And that was his strategy for keeping his sanity. And so and kids I, at school were calling him They called him and, sissy, you know. queer, mm. and fag. Yeah. Oh, man. All sorts of awful things. Poor so, guy. you know, it seemed like he had, at least in this first session, I kind of left with, well, gosh, this is as loving of a message and as nuanced of a message as I think you can have given sort of scriptural position you've taken um, he's taken yeah yeah i know what you're saying and i i felt like he was me when i was in like 10th grade i really tried to Mm -hmm. toe this line and be like Mm -hmm. okay well it's clearly a sin so i guess my options are like be a jerk about how it's a sin or be nice about how it's a sin well i can at least be nice about how it's a sin but even then like by 11th grade i was like I'm going to find a way around this because it's clearly not a sin and this is stupid. So then I started reading books about cases for the Bible not even actually condemning 
homosexuality, which it does. But <laughs> if you're a liberal Christian, you're trying you to find keep, your way around it. Right, trying That's to keep right. Christianity That's true, right. but the, loving these people also true. Right. The, this was an issue I struggled with in college because I was meeting out gay people for the first time. Yeah. Learning that people I had known in high school were now openly gay. Mm-hmm. And I remember a person who was bisexual asking me what I felt about his feelings And I was trying to do that love the sinner, hate the sin Mm -hmm. thing. And Mm -hmm. I felt so gross saying it. Yeah. Because I realized, oh, it just sounds, you know, I'm I'm judging you, but I'm trying to be a a nice judgy person. Right, right. And and that was one of my major avenues out of faith. Yeah, I feel like the steps are supposed to be step one, evil and mean to gay people. Step two, (laughs) let's be nice to the gay people, but still tell them they're sinning. Step three, (laughs) um, it's not a sin. Actually, the Bible doesn't condemn it. Step four, eh, the Bible's wrong about this thing. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) You got it exactly. I love it. I mean, and even when we were in high school and you were an evangelical Christian at the time, we were like some of the first members of the Gay Straight Alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. I, yeah. Yeah, oh my God. In our English class, there was a girl who yelled at us and was like, if you guys are gay, that's fine. Just like, keep it to yourselves. You don't need to shove our faces in. And we're both not gay, but then we didn't feel like we could be, be like, like, no, no, You protest too much. So we just sat there going, okay, thank thank you. I re- Interesting. I, I remember in college when I was still president of the Bible study club, I went to the AIDS walk every year and there will be protesters there with signs and Bible verses. And I remember once I went to kind of question their Bible verses and their approach and had a discussion with them trying to find some common ground and say, oh, you, you know, I think you're not doing Christianity any service here. And I remember I ran back to join my friends from college and one of them turned around and said, oh, talking to your buddies, huh? Oh. Wow. And that hurts so badly. Yeah, I was super mad about it. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, and then weird par- line. So our, our parents thought we were gay. Yeah, um, that's for, true. For really? a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through a series yeah. of just like just happenstances. Um, but then no, for- we were just playing Twister. <laughs> <laughs> but then for me, it culminated when Carrie and I were going to the gay prom, which was hosted by a local church for gay teenagers and their friends kind of throughout the area to have this prom where they could go together, you know, because I'm sure it's probably still true in a lot of schools, but I can't imagine it happens much in California anymore, that you couldn't take a same-sex partner to the prom mm-hmm. right, at your school. So anyway, so Carrie and I were were headed off to this gay prom. I think I was getting in my car to like you know, go pick you up. But my parents kind of confronted me about being gay, which I wasn't. I'm not. It's so weird, too, because they're not coming from a mainstream Christianity perspective at all. They're not. But we got into a fight. And as I'm like storming out of the house, my dad yells after me, I want grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which like jokes yeah. on him. I'm straight and I don't want kids. So like... <laughs> Wrong battle to pick, but yeah. you know. Ended um, whereas I, ever since I was ten, I've known like I'm attracted to girls, but more attracted to guys. So I don't know. It all just felt like if I correct them on this, it's going to be such a slight correction that it oh, won't weird. mean as, anything. As and, a Christian, did you ever turn that lens back on yourself? Then yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh my god, and I used it. It's so terrible. But when I was in that step two phase, right. I used it with my gay friends. I'd be like, Hey, I get it. Girls are hot. I get it. Huh. <laughs> but like, you just got to go with God, man, and just like ignore it (laughs) whoops step two so i'd say dennis (laughs) is in step two okay some of the 
notable quotables, he said, if I can change the thoughts I'm thinking, I can change my feelings. Mm -hmm. I can't please everyone, so I'll please my God. As long as your son or daughter is still breathing, there's hope. Boy, uh, you can't please everyone, and he means himself as well. I can't please myself, but I might as well please God. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sons are easier. Just saying. No offense, ladies. You bring the drama. drama. I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) He also told us, uh, yeah, we do have nine kids. And yes, we know how that happens, but we're not quite ready to stop doing what causes it. Okay. All right. Coming on a little strong with you on an affect your wife, but okay. We got it. We got it. Good for them. I'm happy for them. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, But it felt like. Did they have sex at the conference? Protest too much. At the conference? No, they did not. They did not. Well, that I know of. There was a table Mm. in the way. Couldn't see underneath the table. Okay, fair enough. Also, what was so strange about his story was that. The gay part is like wasn't there. there. We both left that session going, is he, he gay? Just, like, he just might not actually be gay. He never talked about hmm. being attracted to men to or men. boys. So his one story was that he had had a boyfriend for like three, three months, months in college. college. And we were like, that's man, that's, that's just you college, just, dude. Like, <laughs> you just might not be. Be gay. Be gay. <laughs> now, let me say though, then I later watched his documentary. Definitely gay. Okay. Um, like his his uh, whole having story. a boyfriend for three months in college. That generally you count that as yeah. being gay. Yeah. Oh, Ross. I didn't have any boyfriends in college. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> see, and here's where that spectrum yes, idea yeah. comes in. <laughs> Fair enough. If you missing, from I mean, this the thing Fair is, enough. you could be mostly attracted to women and one dude, and what would it look like? You had one boyfriend, gotcha. right? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, in that telling, it did feel like what? But in the documentary, he talks at length about being attracted okay. to men and his first, uh, what's it called? I'm pointing at my head. His first, uh, when you daydream. Uh, but it's sexual. Fantasies? These are sexual <laughs> fantasies being about guys. Okay. So, okay, fair enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, he had run out of time. To the conference's credit, they had timekeepers, which oh. I thought well-organized. Yeah, yeah. This, of all the things I have been to for this show, this was on time more than anything. Wow, yeah, because we're not used to that. No. The, he ran four minutes late, and he was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And at the moment that the little timekeeper kind of raised a card that said, you know, you have five minutes left, Dennis said, oh, oh no. I'm running out of time. And then he said, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> and started wow. like praying. He's having an existential crisis on the <laughs> stage there. Yeah, praying in that moment. And so then he finished up with just a couple of quick things. And the poor timekeeper was like, I'm sorry. And he's like, it's not you that needs forgiveness. I'm the one who needs forgiveness. <laughs> oh, wow. We are really dramatizing this Yes, one. we are really like, oh, okay. I like um, that. I have very limited time. Let me stop let and me talk stop. to the Lord. God will tell me. Um So he did talk about being the recipient of a sexual Mm. advance from a man in a position of power. Yeah, um, sad story. And and that he had suicidal thoughts or almost killed himself as a result of that. So abuse. He had basically come out to someone in the church and said, like, this is something I really struggle with. This is a really bad thing that weighs on my conscience. And then the guy just hit on him in response. And so 
You oh, know, that just made the him. guy just took this as an offer, like, oh, as cool, a, he's into guys. Yeah, I'm gonna take advantage of this. Um, I'm into guys. But then, that- on the other hand, it's like it's got to be so fucked to be closeted in the church, and if someone comes out to you, I can imagine being like, oh my god, oh my god, oh, maybe we can we finally got a connection. Yeah, yeah. So. Even if you're not that into that person, I imagine right. a lot of times, like, oh, finally, someone I can confide in. Right. Yeah. Right. Or or date. I'm really attracted to Tommy, but hey, Mike, if you're on yeah, my the same only wavelength, one even talking to me about it. Mm -hmm, it's really tough yeah having so much so much shame and secrecy you know this whole culture of creating shame and secrecy makes a situation like that yeah yeah, so much more fraught it seems like they're not working towards fully removing the shame but at least partly removing the shame and the secrecy from the church community it seems like they frown upon how the church has been handling so I would people. say everyone so spoke out of like both sides of their mouth. And yeah. so mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. this, you know, I was I've been thinking in advance, what's my danger rating going to be? What's my <laughs> if you just lift like half of what was said for really, I would say almost all of the speakers divide everything they said 50 50. Mm-hmm. You could end up with a story on one side that is beautiful and it's uh-huh. loving and it compels you to be the kind of Christian who is kind and walks alongside someone and really doesn't judge them and treats every sin as equal. This is the same as gluttony. This is the same as pride. Mm -hmm. Or you come out the other side of just the worst things you've imagined about people who are anti-gay, who are homophobic. Yeah, I feel like the themes were all good. It was the specifics that are very bad. So the theme would be like, we all got to love everybody in the church. It doesn't matter if you're gay. And I'm like, yay, okay. And then they'd be like, and what I mean by that is, don't fuck dudes. Wait, what? I'm, I'm trying to picture what their vision is of the church that handles this well. And I don't see it being much different than the church we have. Like, oh, you can tell us that you're gay, but then we're immediately going to surround you and force you into a program that will get you out of it, which would make me not want to tell them that I feel gay. Mm -hmm. Right, right. There is another talk that I went to where the speaker kept saying, you just got to accept your children as they are. And I was like, uh, that thought taken in isolation yeah. is exactly right. But right. I have a feeling you are attaching specifics to it. With that everything else not. you've said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really bizarre. Huh. So Dennis Jernigan was healed in an instant at a concert. In an instant. Yes. He knew the date. So he knew even the moment. Was yes. it a Keith Green concert? No, it oh. was not. It was a folk group called Second Chapter of Acts. So this was 1981, right? Yes. Keith Green would have still been alive. Okay. It wasn't him. And this woman, Annie, who's a singer in the band, she said, I've got a message from God. Someone here is ashamed of something. And God <laughs> loves you no matter what it is. You just got to give it to Jesus. And Dennis knew it was for him specifically. Oh, oh <laughs> some, some, the cold reading. Yeah, some really bad cold reading, yeah, to be honest. Real. <laughs> he yeah. told a lot of stories about Christian pop music and how it had saved him. Like, again, mm. you know... He's like making the case for the arts in this talk of how, you know, music was there to comfort him and help him work through his own issues when other people weren't there for him. Mm -hmm. But he prayed in that moment and he was healed in an instant. And then he showed us a picture of his whole family, his nine kids and his grandkids. And he said, that's what the enemy tried to steal from me. Yeah. Okay. And then he was done. It was 1019. He was four minutes over. He was so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Well, that is very interesting, Thank Carrie you. and Claire. But I got to say, we've got something exciting here. I think our listeners should hear. Oh, I bet this will be much better than XK therapy. It's a Jumbotron, so yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Jumbotrons are always better than XK therapy. By definition. And this one's to Catherine Nguyen from Emily and Mom and, and Dad. Dad. And they say, happy birthday slash early graduation, Catherine. We're so proud of you. You're an amazing daughter and sister. We love you. Congratulations on getting into your dream university. We know you're going to do amazing things in the future. We love you very, very much. Oh, actually, you know what? They just said we love you very much. I added that extra very. Yeah. I mean, they love very, her a lot. But not very, very. That's get, Let's not get carried, carried away. away. <laughs> And then they said, try not to explode when you hear this. <laughs> really sweet. I wonder which university she got into. Yeah. They're burying the lead, Emily and mom and dad. Wherever you ended up. Congratulations, Catherine. Congratulations, Catherine. Um, so then we had a 15-minute break, which was actually a 10-minute break because he went over, or an 11-minute <laughs> break. Oh, man. And then there were four different workshops on offer. Yeah. So we left the main room of about 100, 120 people and moved into smaller rooms that were classrooms within this strip mall. Oh, so you pick a track and mm -hmm. go there. Yes. There are four options. There are four options. But just... Just one, right? Like there's four yeah, all at the same simultaneously. Time. Yes. Right. Yeah. So and then you, you got to pick. And you're like, oh, I want to go to these two. I guess I'll go to this right, one. Right, right. Did you try to go together or did you split nope, up? Nope, we split up. Mm-hmm. So this conference is already working. Here were the options. We could have gone to Stand in Love, Truthful Answers about Homosexuality, Identity, and the Church with Dennis Jernigan. So if oh. we wanted to hear the rest of his story, oh, okay. we could have stayed in the room with the piano while he continued to play, some play piano. something. And you <laughs> That's know. an intriguing title, but you've already experienced Dennis, so I'm yeah. guessing you're going to want to move on. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to guess where you wanted to go. Okay, cool. There was Roots of Brokenness and Targeted Prayer. Colon. Colon. Bitter Root Judgments <laughs> and Inner Vows. Bitter Roots. <laughs> there, these, are, these are capitalized. Bitter is capitalized, root capitalized, judgments capitalized, and inner vows, both capitalized, are the building blocks for all brokenness. Oh, found their How ruin. to discover, understand them, and become free through healing prayer. That's the entire title. That whole thing is the title. That is the title. That's the talk. That is the title. It's <laughs> a really long title. Yeah, I feel like I went to that one already. With, uh, <laughs> with Sherry Holt, who was also giving a speech after lunch, right. so we thought we'll skip okay, her. Okay, okay. Well, you just gave it away. Yeah, yeah, don't, oh, don't, don't tell me. guess. I ruined it. <laughs> but it is helpful knowledge that she spoke afterwards. Okay, I think I would have dismissed that one. And then the origins and treatment of homosexuality with Robert Vatso, LWFT. Oh, this has Carrie written all LBCC, over it. And okay. then transgenderism, colon, a faith-based perspective with Denise Schick. Uh-oh, that also has Carrie written all over it. Okay, so it's down to those two. One of you went to one, one went to the other one. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Which one was it? <sighs> Which one was it? No, you're really going to want to hear their thoughts on transgender, but you're also going to want to hear the... Oh, I, I, I'm going to say you went to the first one, you went to the second one. Oh, well right. done. Ding, ding, right. ding. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know what causes that. Yeah. Give me some bad science. That's what I came <laughs> Yeah, I could for. feel you just like, oh, they're going to mention studies. I'm going to shoot them down. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> All right, how did it go? It was bad. <laughs> 
Okay, so I went to the coldest room in California to hear this talk. It was so cold. It was like, there was no heater. It was a very cold day. I left the door open. It was fucking freezing. And everyone was talking about it. We walked in and everyone was like, ooh, could we? Ooh, do you think we? It's nippy. So everyone sat near like the very, very front. We all huddled together and shared body warmth. Wow. Yeah, it was good fucking cold. Anyway. Robert Vatso was the therapist who was going to give this talk. He's a family systems therapist, and he mostly treats men, but a few women. And he has a practice in L.A. every Wednesday, but he lives in Nevada. So he comes out to L.A. every Wednesday. Whoa. Yeah, from Las Vegas, I think. What? To do this practice. And that's partly because in California, you can't do reparative therapy for anyone who's under 18 and a lot of his clients are families who are trying to ungay their kids so he can do his business more in las vegas cool this this all just reminded me of the movie saved if if anyone hasn't seen it such a good movie that's great love that film filled with god's love (laughs) throws the table As Mandy Moore, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See it if you haven't. Okay, continue. Uh, So he went to USC, Hala, Trojans. So did I. Oh, before he began, actually, I was walking to the bathroom and this woman was behind me and I thought, okay, she's a mole too. I don't know. She had like a real cool look. She was probably 25 and she was there with this gentleman who had a big blonde pompadour and and like just read to me as like, oh, probably a gay guy. And so I thought, big okay, these two people. Pompadour. Yeah. But I it's thought, not Donald Trump. It wasn't. No, no. This was a great pompadour. Yeah, it was, he was like. very stylish. He looked like a theater kid to me oh. and was wearing pancake makeup and kind of had his eyebrows penciled. So I thought maybe both of them mm-hmm. had done some sort of performance recently or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like he's straight out of Greece or something. Yes. Uh, the, but like, like theater Greece. Like, but like, yeah. super, I don't know, super, super stylish. So I don't know. I just thought, okay, cool. Like some fellow travelers. Yeah. So I turned to her and cautiously said like, so how did you find out about this? And she said, oh, well, my husband and I were looking up things like this and found it. And I said, oh, your husband, is that who you're with? He has uh, really cool hair. And she's like, yeah. I was like, okay. End of (laughs) conversation. I'm going to pee. So went back in there. Robert Vatso said, I'm going to begin with a joke. I promise it's a clean joke. Oh, phew. And I didn't write that on the joke, you guys. Oh, I just man. thought that was a very funny way to so start. So the, the funnier thing was, was the that. introduction yeah, to the joke. Right. <laughs> so he told us, hey, listen, homosexuality causes a lot of problems. So we need to look at what causes homosexuality. Causes a lot of problems among people who have a hard yeah. time accepting right. Right. that you you're are homosexual. You're creating the problem. <laughs> yes. The yeah. problem you're creating? Yeah. This is an you. invented problem. Could be easily remedied. <laughs> yes, okay. Right. We've invented the problem. Now we have the solution. <laughs> Which is figuring out the cause. (laughs) Um, That annoys me so much, setting up a problem and offering the solution to it. Right, right. So first, in order to understand homosexuality, we have to understand object relations, you guys. So we're all motivated by the need to attach to others. 
and the need to attach to objects. Everybody understands? What? Great. Let's no. move on. No, I didn't what? understand either. This sounds like Scientology. Like, touch the pen. Okay, this stop. felt so pseudoscience. Touch the pen it again. Sounded, it felt so Freudian. It felt like mm-hmm. you saw a dick one time and then that was it. You know, it was like everything is just based on objects and shapes and the oh. subconscious doing its oh, crazy goodness. machinations behind the scenes. Where'd this guy get his degree? <laughs> USC. Oh, never mind. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So he said, little boys need a relationship with a man. And 18 months to three years of age is when it's really critical that they have a good male role model in their lives. And so that's also when the origins of homosexuality can begin if they don't have this good modeling. If you try to live by others' expectations, you start to develop a false self. And I'm thinking, <gasps> oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Are you hearing yourself? Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking like, okay, so if you're gay, then you try to sublimate it and act however your parents want you to act. No, that is not what he means. Here's what he means. Okay, let's say there's a little boy and he has his 10 pins set set up in his living room. Yes, apparently kids still play 10 pins. But that's is hard that on a bowling? carpet. What's 10 yeah. pins? Yeah. Yeah. It's like really old school bowling. Okay. Okay. So, that's so they've got a hardwood example. floor in their living room. I guess. That's the important part of this analogy. Continue. So he sets up a bunch of plastic <laughs> 10 pins as a He actually has them? Oh. has them with him. <laughs> okay. Sets them up and then he knocks it over with his hand and he says, so let's say I'm a little boy and I just knock him over like this because I'm a little boy. A little boy's not and maybe mom says what is happening i know i know and so she says and maybe mom says okay that's okay you got frustrated let's put this up and put it back or maybe she says hey listen tommy we don't throw things in the house which of these do you think makes the child gay well it's got to be one or the other i mean oh certainly the angry response makes them gay did one of them come off as angry no i don't know (laughs) But you're right. It's the corrective one. Oh, the one okay. where she says, hey, listen, we don't throw things in the house. Oh, no. So that's that, subtle of a difference in that response. That makes you gay. This is horrible. Here is why. <laughs> so you're telling all these uh, older people you threw your child off in some subtle phrasing. Yes. In mm-hmm. how you administered yes. correction. Uh-huh. Oh, that's okay. awful. And and it's almost always the mother. Because oh. if the father had been there in that moment, you know what he would have said? Oh, hon, he's a little boy. Little boys throw things. Hashtag okay. not all fathers. Some fathers <laughs> would, would say, bring hey, up the- we don't throw things in the house. We don't throw things. Yeah. Yeah. Some would lay down the law. Yeah. There's all kinds of responses. This is ridiculous. Right. I'm sorry. Continue. But, but that's what a good father would do. And so- if- So only moms get it wrong? Oh, yeah. No, 100% of the blame in this talk was on the mother. And gay girls did not exist in this <laughs> talk either. I, w- I was going to ask about this because it feels like so often when we're talking about homosexuality in the church, all the focus is on men. It's on men. Like no, lesbianism. Totally. Every now and then you remind, oh, that's right. There are also lesbians in the world, but really, right. they're worried about penises. You know, this is handled so eloquently. Where's the penis going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is handled so eloquently in this documentary I'm holding up called One Nation Under God hmm. that is about the ex-gay movement, but not in favor of the ex-gay oh, movement. Oh, I want to see it. It's really good. And it's mostly hosted by people who used to be in the ex-gay movement. And then we're like, this is stupid. What am I doing? So they're really good at picking apart like what's really going on. And they make the point that like, well, 
if you're already in a sexist society, then the worst thing you can be is a dude who's acting effeminate. A girl who's acting somewhat masculine, she's improving herself by some degree. But a guy who's effeminate, like he's acting like a woman, like mm-hmm. that's the most mm-hmm. fucked up thing right. you can do. Right. Again, it seems like there's even some allowance. Women can play around a bit in college and oh, that's that you know right. that's fine. That's okay. That or doesn't even sexy. Yeah, exactly. It might even be a turn on. It doesn't threaten anything that we've established here. About her identity. But yeah, yeah, if a man has a boyfriend for three months, right. then he's gay. Exactly. See? Totally. Even I fell into that. Okay. Okay. So now that you've corrected corrected your son about knocking his 10 pins over and you've made him gay. He develops a false self. So he says to himself, okay, I was really masculine and I had all these dramatic impulses to knock things over, but I have to be controlled and I have to be more womanly like my mom. Got it. And he develops his false self. And then Ross is rolling his eyes. I'm mad. I wasn't there. I'm mad and I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, actors are often gay because in order to be gay, you have to reject the true self and you become a very good pretender. What? (laughs) What? I'm surprised I never heard that as explicitly stated in my upbringing because yeah, yeah, I I think a lot of people would have agreed with that sentiment. Right. Instead of thinking like, wait, maybe like very feeling oriented, artistic little boys, some really masculine dads don't know how to interact with them and end up being standoffish dads. Maybe that's what's happening. No, no, no. The parents caused it. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that has me thinking. Yes. Ross, is it? Yeah, I'm Ross. It has me thinking about fine bedding products. I don't know why. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see the connection. Stream of consciousness happening over here. Wild associations. But I know you're a lover of fine bedding products. It's what I'm known for. And when I hang out in bed, either mm-hmm. sleeping or, mm-hmm. or doing stupid things on my phone. You make sure sheets are there? Well, yeah. I want to do it in comfort. And for that, I have Brooklyn and sheets. Oh, you know what? I have Brooklyn and sheets. Whoa, what a coincidence. I know. I bet our listeners would also love to have Brooklyn and sheets. Be- uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because this episode is actually sponsored in part by Brooklyn and that's cool and convenient because exactly. we're having this conversation now. Exactly. And you know, you spend a third of your life in your sheets. Did you think about that? At least, right? And sheets really make a difference with how you sleep. You can start getting better sleep with great sheets from Brooklinen. They were founded in 2014 with the philosophy that beautiful home essentials don't need to have crazy prices. And they have over 15,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot of five-star reviews. 75,000 stars. They also have versatile colors and patterns you can choose from. Yeah, so let's say that you you, you want striped sheets, but you want polka-dotted pillowcases. Yeah, they don't have to match. That's okay. They got you covered with your covers. So brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code OHNO at brooklinen.com. That's O-H-N-O. Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. Can you believe that? A lifetime warranty on sheets? That's I'm genuinely impressed by that. Pretty confident. Yeah. And the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use the promo code OHNO at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code OHNO! Oh, yeah, so he said spontaneous gestures should be responded to with acceptance. The child throws something, you just pick it up for them. What? Yeah. That's bad parenting. Yeah, right? (laughs) So then he defines something called attachment loss, which is when you're rejected as your true self, you lose connection to your parent and your true self, 
it's over, attachment loss. You need to gain yourself back. Oh, he made an interesting point here. He said, I have young boys, uh, like nephews in my life. What do young boys put on their walls? And he was talking about kids who are like seven or eight. And, and a lot of people were like, they put up pictures of adult men. And he was like, yeah, they put up pictures of Hulk Hogan, you know. The Lone Ranger. Right. Since we're talking about 10 pins. <laughs> exactly. He said, you know, that's normal. It's normal for young boys to idealize men until they hit like 11 or 12. And then they're supposed to put up pictures of girls. And that's kind of a warning sign if oh. they don't do that. Uh, what? <laughs> huh. The Iron Man, Spider-Man, that's all A-okay. Right. But then when they hit puberty, I want to see them. Fawcett. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Dead let's women. Just set, let's just put ourselves <laughs> in the right time frame here. <laughs> uh, uh, so he's like explaining all this and it becomes really obvious that the mothers are almost entirely to blame here. So this woman raised her hand and she said, so... What can a mother do with a son? Because it sounds like all the corrections should come from the dad, but I'm a single parent. I was just thinking, yeah, what if you're a single right. mom? And he Which said- Which is so common. And he said, yeah, there's really nothing you can do unless you get a man involved. Oh, so you need to have a boyfriend or right. bring in some Or guy. like bring a man from the church or something. Oh. Which is so annoying. But then at the same time, I'm like, good. You know, leave her without options. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't let her, you know, like don't let her oh, fix her son. Yeah. It gives you like all these conflicting emotions with all, everything they're saying. So then he's, yes, he starts using science to try to defend his point of view. Tells us there's a Harvard study that shows sexual abuse directly predicts homosexuality. Again, completely ignoring what the causation might be here. Mm -hmm. Masturbation and porn reinforce the problem. So don't let your kid masturbate, obviously. Uh, there's oh, a losing God. battle. Yep. You leave him alone for five minutes, he's going to masturbate. <laughs> right. He said younger brothers are more likely to be gay, which is true, and that the gays use this to say there's a genetic component. But obviously that's not true. It's just because mothers tend to pamper the baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, it's just it's also ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Claire and I are looking very unimpressed at this right, moment. Right. <laughs> I mean, all of this is just what I kept coming back to was like, okay, you've confused causation and effect again. Oh, again. Oh, again. Oh, again. He just reverses it anytime he can. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then he started talking about reparative therapy and he said, so the thing is in California, I can't try to change the sexual identity of a minor. And the reason this law is so bad is that this is when the brain is most pliable. And I'm like, that's why that's the law's, why the law's there. <laughs> yeah, you are identifying why we put the law in yeah, place uh, to stop you. Stop you from harming people. <laughs> right. Uh, and what are the noises coming from the other people in the room? No, what are the noises? <laughs> um, are they sympathetic noises? Okay. They're nodding. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, maybe some burrs. Shivers, um, but yeah, there. I guess there was some like ahs. Yeah, okay, definitely no, huh? Except for me. <laughs> I see Carrie there angrily looking at this guy. I can't believe you said that. While everyone else is just nodding, nodding and, along. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay, that's very but Carrie, like her eyes are flared. <laughs> I hopefully I was holding it in a little better than that, okay. but maybe not. Um, if I was there, I feel. Well, I'm sure would... I'd make that face to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. 
Here's how you know that homosexuality is bad. The male body doesn't fit with the male body. It's as simple as that. Oh, now it all makes sense. Oh, it's just like a banana was made for the hand. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And he literally left it there. He was like, right? So that's Mm, a dead end. Plumbing. Solved. What? Uh, never heard then, of an anus, apparently. Right, right. But, you know, that's the out hole or whatever. Or hand um, or mouth. There are lots of different ways. There are ways lots of ways to have sex. To even have sex. for straight people. Even for even an for opposite sex couple. Straight people or individuals. People by <laughs> right. themselves. There's right. lots of mm-hmm. different ways that you to can do have it. Sex. Of similarly shaped orifices. Right. So he said that means it's a fetish. A fetish is when you are sexually attracted to something that doesn't work. It doesn't biologically work. That's what we call a fetish. If someone likes feet, (laughs) but you can't make babies in a foot, we call it a fetish. So see how this is connected back to sex is only for procreation. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. part of the problem with this whole framework, sex is only for procreation. Just this is like the obvious retort, but like, okay, what about like women who can't conceive? Do they never get to have sex again? Why would a 60-year-old marry another 60-year-old? Right, Mm -hmm. right. So stupid. So I, I just keep picturing what you were describing, the guy showing... The, the photo of all his kids and grandkids. This is what Satan was yeah, trying to take away way, from me. You, can you mean have the enemy? The enemy. Right. They, they, they never, never said, said Satan. Satan. Oh, just the enemy. Yeah. Okay. But also, by the way, gay people can have kids. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 They can adopt them. Surrogates. They can make them. Yep. Whatever they want to do. All kinds of ways mm-hmm. for them to have kids. Mm-hmm. For God's sake. And if okay. you ever stop harshing on our stem cells, you know, we may mm-hmm. be able to combine their genetics and create their yeah. own children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they already did that with two women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so he said, where you have eroticization, there is a wound. In heterosexuals, the wound is the separation of male and female. And I wrote, what? This is useless words. I liked eroticization. That turned me on. Even in heterosexuals, their proclivity to be attracted to the opposite gender is born out of missing the opposite gender in your soul. You know, you're so distinctly feminine that you need... The masculine, so okay. you, you attract a, a, it to a you. proper balance. If mm-hmm. you have it, will prevent these improper flares, or that you're right. not supposed to be balanced. You're supposed to be one end of the magnet, Correct. so that the other end of the magnet. You can be too right. balanced. A balance in the relationship, not a balance not in, in the, the person. Being being happy on your own, we don't want that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. This will come up multiple times. It's too. all defined from the outside, yes. right? Okay, partnership, please. So he mentioned someone called Dr. Nicolosi a lot, who's kind of the founder of reparative therapy he actually recently died i just looked him up once you have this wound you do what's called a repetition compulsion which means repeating your wound and trying to resolve your psychological wound so you know that you're not masculine enough so you just keep trying to connect yourself sexually to other men to fill that gap you see it all makes sense why are you both blinking at me it makes sense you know it doesn't it doesn't because like if that's the idea that you want to feel more masculine Mm -hmm. wouldn't you like often when i think of kind of this how do you make yourself more masculine you put yourself with someone who is feminine or insist mm-hmm. on their femininity. Mm-hmm. By contrast, then. By contrast. So shouldn't it be the should like it be wear the a opposite? studded belt? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know. Buy a gun. Buy a gun. There you go. Eat some meat. Eat some Ross. Meat. Jesus. You- <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you hear of Christian groups who will have men try to establish a healthy relationship with other men. And so they'll spend time cuddling together, hugging. Oh, uh-huh. Doesn't sound like this crowd is leaning towards I that. I don't think so. Because <laughs> that always seems like, oh, I this is just a clever way for guys to get some male on male contact. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I don't that's think so they'd nice, be for that. Though. There yeah. should be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good thing, but not for the right. reasons they do. Right. Right. Okay. Now, it's not that gay guys aren't attracted to women. It's that they're fearful and they're angry. I raised my hand. And I said, okay, but I thought we eroticized whatever we fear. Hmm. So if men fear women, shouldn't they eroticize them? And he said, good point. Good point. But they eroticize men because they're afraid, but they're so afraid of women that it stops the eroticization. Oh, I like that he, uh, hmm. on the spot, just comes Came up with a BS with answer. Bullshit. Oh, yeah. 100%. He was like, oh, fuck, she's got me. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not gay, and I know that's wrong. Yeah, I, at this point, I was just thinking like, oh my God, this makes less sense than I even expected. I feel like I could give up and give an anti-gay talk that would be better than this right. one. And that says a lot. <laughs> There's no internal consistency here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, then this pastor in the audience raised his hand and said, now this is very interesting. All this eroticization, is that stored in the lymph nodes? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. And then the speaker responded, yes, very good. <laughs> Wait. What? He must have read this guy's stuff before or something. <laughs> The no lymph nodes? Idea, but like, this is the worst pseudoscience I've ever <laughs> heard. Lymph nodes? is stored in your lymph nodes? So I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> so your lymphatic system generates hormones, doesn't it? That's, yes. that's like mm-hmm. the hormone producing. So maybe okay. something. Is, but in that case, mm. wouldn't it be biological yeah, and not instead of by psychological. your mom telling you to pick up your toys? Because yes. if it's stored in your lymph nodes, then inject this kid with testosterone. Oh, right, right, right. right. Why aren't we talking about that solution? Sneak up on him, just hit him with a needle, give him some testosterone, <laughs> he'll never know. Yeah, but I think this is more like Scientology where it's like, you had this experience now it's stored in your body, but it's like, it's physical, but it's not. You know oh, what I mean? It's a memory creating yes, some sort of- thetan. Thetan. Yeah, it's a thetan. It's right, thetan. right. But when convenient, it is also physical. Right, right. Exactly. When we have to give it a locus. Uh, it's in the lymph nodes. Lymph nodes. All right, sure. Well, I'm gl- so, I learned something. <laughs> With people where it is a pronounced lymphatic issue, they should do body work, which I sounded like energy work. Yeah, or maybe massage. I don't know. That's something we'd hear at a UFO conference. Yeah, so he said to read a book by Alice Miller called "The Body Never Lies." I feel like I've heard that before. I think that one makes its rounds in a lot of the like naturopathy kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so now he's kind of opening up to questions a little bit. I raised my hand and I said, okay, so I get the impression that the sort of parenting lesson here is to accept your child as they are. Really let them be who they are. Is that right? And he said, yes. And I said, okay. So I'm trying to square this circle a little bit because I could see a gay person saying, well, how about just accepting me as I am? I am gay. (laughs) So he said, okay, yeah, let's say your daughter says to you that she likes girls. Then have a discussion with her. Ask her what it is she likes about girls. Because she doesn't like girls. She likes something about them. And you can help her notice. Where do you see that same quality in boys? (laughs) So don't accept her as she is, is what you're saying. I mean, 
you can have any color of Model T you want as long as you want black. Right. <laughs> you know what? Actually, a friend from college, his mom would always say, when they go to a store, she'd say, you can have anything you want as long as it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then he also told us that most, this is, oh my God, this is such a bad data science, said most teens will grow out of being gay. You know how I know that? Because the percent of adult women who are gay is 1% to 2%. But the, the percent of teenagers who identify as gay is 15%. And I'm just sitting there waiting and I'm like, please don't make me do this. But someone else did it. Oh, someone good. said, well, hang on. <laughs> I could see someone saying, well, maybe that's because the younger generation has grown up in a world where being gay is more accepted. Yes, other person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone gets it. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, I mean, they could say that. But like, we all know like kids grow out of their their phases. Oh, okay. Mm. Thank you. Really useful. Mm -hmm. And he said in many high schools, it's very chic to be gay. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that explanation. They're rebelling against their parents. Right. Yeah. I, I decided to choose my sexuality so I can get back at my dad. Or, oh, it's really popular right now. Look at all these cool kids in the Glee Club. I right. want to be like them. <laughs> right. And, and completely ignore like all the other facets of society Those that are, are going to shit on me. Such silly explanations. Oh, they're just acting out. No. No one chooses that. I always wonder, like, do these people think they could right now choose to be gay could you just do it could you just be like this is it i'm doing it <laughs> of course you can't you stupid <laughs> anyway so he told us now because of the stigma of reparative therapy he calls it safety therapy so everybody watch out for that oh, word geez. and then the guy behind me said that's great that's great you know in my ministry we don't even say gay <laughs> What? Okay. I don't know what you say instead. But yeah, okay. yeah. I bet they. Say I have a question for same that sex guy. Attraction, right? Okay. That seemed oh, to be because yeah, that was what was used throughout this. Yeah, yeah, whole. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my guess. Oh yeah, and he said, you know, I know someone whose therapist told him to just accept that he's gay, and everyone's like. And he said, and that's awful. Number one, because he's a Christian. And number two, because it's just a label. And everyone's like, yes, yes. So I is your heterosexuality just a label? Yeah, what? So I said, he was calling on me a lot. I was lucky. I said, so how do you help someone who's under 18 who comes to you since you can't do reparative therapy? And he said, great question. I bring in their whole family and we figure out what problems there are in the family dynamic, because that's what's going to be contributing to this. And I said, oh, okay, and what would you do differently if it were reparative The therapy? family dynamic, that's the second dynamic. <laughs> Scientology. Okay. And I said, okay, so what would you do differently if it were reparative therapy? And he said, nothing. It's the same. It's really just a naming thing. Oh, cool. So you are doing I reparative found, therapy I against the law is what you just told me. my way around the law. Right, yeah. right. Okay. You know, I, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. Yeah. What are you going to mansplain now, Ross? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about audio entertainment in general. Oh, that's interesting. I was just thinking about audio entertaining in general. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe it's not a man thing. Maybe it's just a human thing. I'm glad we can share that and that it can bring us together as humans. Do you know someplace I could go for more quality audio entertainment? Mm. Maybe something I could learn from. Mm. So, like, you want more culture in your life. Yeah, I mean, comedy and culture. Comedy and culture. It's funny you say that because that immediately makes me think of the perfect podcasting network, Max Fun. Maximum Fun? Yeah, comedy and culture is their tagline, and they have so many good shows. 
Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're the hosts of Everything's Coming Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. We are a Simpsons podcast brand new to the Maximum Fun Network, and every episode we cover a different episode of The Simpsons um, that is a favorite of our special guests. We've had guests that are showrunners and writers and voice actors like Nancy Cartwright, all people that have worked on The Simpsons, and we've also had guests like Weird Al and people that are on the Max Fun Network already, and each week we will talk to a very cool guest about their favorite episode, and it is so much fun. So if you like The Simpsons, come listen to Everything's Coming up Simpsons. All right, smell you later. They did tell us not to throw gay kids out of our house. That's nice. I thought you were going to say like out the window or off the <laughs> roof. Or, <laughs> or that. Don't or defenestrate that. your gay kids. Right. All right, good. Um, but I mean, that actually is good that's advice. That's good advice, but hang on. A father in the audience raised his hand and said, oh, well, uh, excuse me. As for me and my house, we, we will, will serve, serve the, the Lord. Lord. He's pulling Joshua on this? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It was very clear he had, in fact, thrown his gay child out of his house. Oh, no. If... There are gay children listening. Well, it'll be too late for you. But when I was driving what? over, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Oh God, I hope this goes so okay. well. Let's try that again. <laughs> Something that was really heartening as I was driving over here was driving along Santa Monica Boulevard where they are building a new LGBTQ youth center, including awesome. housing for transitional youth. Oh, that's great. And so... I'm sure there must be other places that have that housing already on offer. This is still a big like hole in the ground with, you know, billboards of what's going to be there or signs of what's going to be there. But man, yeah. I hope kids with parents like that douche find places like the LGBTQ Center in Los Angeles right. to find community and uh, safety. Also, you can call the police because that is parental neglect. <laughs> you can call Child Protective Services and say, my parent is no longer housing and feeding me. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Someone asked him what his success rate is. And he said, if I have you for two years on weekly therapy, your feelings will decrease. He didn't say anything Decrease. More. Decrease. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Two and- years or more... We'll have a 1% reduction. Right. And, that's yeah, what I was that's picturing. Yeah. Also, like, we know that people are motivated to please their doctor. Yeah. All sorts of things could account for this. Also, he has an atheist client, and he wanted us to know that. Oh. Even atheists can oh. come to him and get treated for their gayness. Whoa, what a weird situation that must be. I know. Who is atheist and gay that wants to be treated for their gayness? I think he said the guy was from russia so maybe like if you come from oh, a culture, a that, culture is that is very okay uh, yes yeah there's yeah. a lot of anti-gay sentiment yeah. yeah okay i have known an atheist who came out of a mormon background and was very uncomfortable with his homosexuality oh. uh-huh. still mm-hmm. and realized I think there's I no reason he is. should be yeah mm-hmm. Anyway, that was my whole experience learning about the causes of homosexuality i feel like now i get it Good. I'm I'm glad you understand that better. And thanks for enlightening us. Yeah, no problem. Cool. Well, we will hear more from Claire about her talk in our next episode. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, let's continue this conversation because there's a lot more in this conference. Yeah. That's it for this show. Next, we get to hear what was happening in another room, hopefully warmer. It was much warmer, but <laughs> with very similar themes. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, okay. I'm really sorry for the downer, everybody, but don't worry. All these groups are diminishing in size and power. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. 
This episode was edited by Victor Figueroa. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. That's a good idea. You could also go to Twitter and look for Oh No Podcast. And there's a new option now, Carrie, to mm-hmm. listen to our podcast interactively. What? Our listeners can go to Greta.com. Oh, I'm glad you're explaining this because this is the first I've heard about it. This is G-R-E-T-T-A dot com. Mm-hmm. And now you'll see our show list is one of the shows that are available. I found out about it from Reading Glasses, another show on Maximum Fun. Nice. They take your podcast and create a text transcription of it. Uh-huh. And it follows along with the audio. So as you listen, you can watch the audio highlighted and they break up each person's speech into its own separate box that you can then share. You can share it on social media if you want to share clips. Is it automated or? No, they have people who. They have people doing it. Yeah, dedicated people. Wow. And I reached out because I was just curious, like, hey, how does one do this? Uh Because I saw it on reading glasses, like, this is super cool. And they said, oh, well, that's really funny because we were interested in your show and a lot of people here are fans of Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Oh, nice. Hi, guys. Hi, Greta. Yeah, so we picked out three episodes. The Owl Guy episode, the original one. Uh Uh-huh. I think maybe a Scientology episode. Anyways, from now on, they're going to take all of our new episodes and transcribe them. How wonderful. That's especially great for people who want to partake in our show but don't have hearing. So check it out at Greta.com. Or maybe you want to leave us a positive review on iTunes. Have you done that, Claire? No. Oh, my God. Oh, the Best look of guilt. friend of 17 years. <laughs> oh, crap. <God. laughs> no, I must have at some point. I must have at some point. But I should do another one. You should. Because I've listened to every episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm always impressed when people say that. That's a monumental effort. Yeah. Many, many hours of listening. Sure. Well, thank you. I haven't listened to every episode. I They're really have. fun. It's like having my best friend in my living room. Oh, when she's not that there. Nice. That's <laughs> great. And remember... You are my hero, my knight in shining armor, a warrior of God's grace standing alone faithfully. You are my hero, you're a light that pierces darkness. With love that's not afraid to fight for someone like me. In celeb news this week, the hosts of Lady to Lady took a break from hanging with today's hottest comedians, actors, and writers to sell a sex machine. What'd they do with all that cash? Rent a party bus to go to Magic Mike Live in Vegas, of course. All of this on the heels of a salacious sizzler session with Home Alone 4 star French Stewart. Want to know what the f*** we're talking about? Tune into Lady to Lady whenever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.